Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your mercy and grace you show us every day. Thank you for sending us Jesus, your son, to come and free us. We remember Jesus Christ, the ultimate gift, as we prepare our hearts during this season of Advent. Lord, we pray for the world we live in, the brokenness that we experience, both in our home country and across the world. We pray for your healing hand in those conflicts. Lord, we thank you for your families for the families and communities we have and the ability to worship you freely. We love you, Lord, and we thank you and praise you every day. Amen. Um, now let's continue our worship and give thanks to the Lord with our regular weekly offering. You can give by texting the word give to the number on the screen, or you can give online, or you're welcome to give in the offering box in the back before you leave today. Also, we were able to extend the time of giving to our missionaries. And so the new deadline is today, the 17th. Thank you for considering blessing our missionaries in this way. The ways to give are listed on the screen. We also have a button on our homepage that make it very easy to click and give that way. Now I would like to invite Pastor Sean Reese up. He will be giving a message for us today. And our scripture reading is a little treat today. We're going to be watching a video for our scripture reading. So we're going to get that going. Thing that the Lord has done. 
told us Jesus Christ the Lord. Glory to God, Glory to Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the Good morning. That clip comes from The Promise, which is a movie that was made, I think, back in 2013. And uh, it does a good job of singing your way through the Christmas story. So um, I would encourage you to watch it. It's, uh, It's really, they do a really good job. And it provides a great intro to our sermon today. Well, each year at this time, World leaders from all over the world typically provide a Christmas message to their people. Some do it merely out of duty, (laughs) while, while others seem to do it out of conviction. You probably don't remember many of those proclamations, but you may remember some other Christmas messages we have heard around this time. Over the years, Disney has proclaimed that castles look best covered in Christmas lights. Meanwhile, Starbucks has proclaimed, carry the Mary. And of course, McDonald's has asked if we are hashtag reindeer ready. But of all those proclamations that are made at this time of the year, none will ever be as significant or as staggering as the one made by the angels on that first Christmas evening. The fact is that most people still don't realize how staggering the angels' proclamation really is. For if they would realize it's staggeringness, and then lived it, our world would be a very different place. Because there are great reversals, and that would change every area of our lives. As you know, our Advent series this year is called The Great Reversal. As we are exploring the songs of the birth of Jesus in Luke's narrative. You could say that each song highlights the very great reversal of the kingdom of God, the kingdom which this baby Jesus brings. All other earthly kingdoms are reversed, or you could say upside down, compared to God's kingdom. Even the magic kingdom, which is what's on that slide made by Eugene. So far, we've spent two weeks before Jesus' birth, 
Brian preached the first week on the Magnificat, Mary's song of praise. Last week, Bernard preached on the Benedictus, Zachariah's song of praise. And today, we get to study the Gloria, the proclamation the angels made to the shepherds. Although the Gloria is typically considered to be only one verse, verse 14, We're going to explore everything the angels said that night, and it really is staggering good news. So we'll first set the context for this proclamation by reading verses 1 to 9 of Luke 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear." So we'll stop there and set the context for this great proclamation. And I want to set the context by answering four questions. When, where, to whom, and why? And that'll help us understand the context. So first of all, when is this proclamation made? Luke is very careful with his details. And he locates this staggering proclamation in real space-time history. The story of Christmas happens in objective history. During a lecture in a high school history class, as the teacher was referring to dates, he kept using the BCE and CE nomenclature. One day, a student raised her hand and asked a question. With CE, are you referring to what used to be called AD? And the teacher answered, yes. The student continued, so 10 AD and 10 CE are the same date? And the teacher said, yes. So the student continued, so 0 AD and 0 CE are the same date? And the teacher said, yes. So the student continued. So the common era began when Jesus was born. And the teacher said, well, yes. So the student said, so changing the nomenclature doesn't change the facts. Our God has a date in history. And this is why Luke refers to people like King Herod back in chapter 1, and Caesar Augustus and Governor Quirinius here. In other words, the birth of Jesus doesn't happen once upon a time, as in our fairy tales. 
The Christmas story begins in historical, identifiable days. In those days when Caesar Augustus thought he ruled the world. And when Quirinius and King Herod tried to rule under Augustus. But Luke also locates his Christmas story within these world leaders in order to put it on the stage of world history. Because Christmas has implications for the whole world. This story is good news for all people, as we will hear the angels say. A new world leader has been born for all people, and he's forming a new kind of government. And unlike Augustus, Quirinius, and Herod, this new world leader will be on the stage of history forever. He will outlive Augustus, Quirinius, and Herod. Long after they're gone, this new world leader will live and reign. His kingdom and dominion will have no end, as the angel had told Mary nine months before. So where? That's our next question. Where? Was this proclamation made? Well, Luke tells us it was in the region of Bethlehem. And we should say, really? Bethlehem? Talk about reversals. Bethlehem is a, it's a nothing town. In the middle of a nothing area, in the middle of a nothing county, in the middle of a nothing country. That's Bethlehem. Shouldn't this proclamation and birth have happened maybe in Athens or in Rome or at least in the temple in Jerusalem? No. It happens in lowly Bethlehem. Caesar sets up a census for tax purposes. The Romans did these things to exert their power and their control over the world. But God uses an, an unwitting Caesar to get Jesus to be born in Bethlehem, the city of David, which fulfills a promise made by the prophet Micah hundreds of years before that the Messiah the future Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So to whom was this proclamation given? Luke tells us that this staggering good news was made to shepherds. It's another great reversal. I mean, shouldn't it have been made to priests and scribes first? They're the religious heavy hitters. Or shouldn't it have been made the kings and emperors first? They're the political heavy hitters. Surely it should have gone to Caesar Augustus first. He's the most powerful man in the world. No. It's made to shepherds. It's made to shepherds. That in itself is staggering because shepherds were the lowest of the low in that society. 
In that time, shepherds were some of the most despised people in the Middle Eastern society. They were considered the lowest of the low. Nothing paid less than shepherding. It was considered to be unsafe to be around shepherds. They dressed badly, and they smelled badly. (laughs) So why? Why was it made to shepherds? Well, I can think of two reasons. First of all, because they represent what this coming kingdom is all about. Although the world tilts toward the rich and the famous, God's kingdom tilts toward the lowly and the smelly. (laughs) As Bernard said last week, this kingdom tilts toward the last, the least, and the lost. It's a massive reversal of values, this kingdom. As Jesus would say throughout his ministry, the last will be first and the first will be last. It's a huge reversal. Secondly, it signals grace. It's all grace. God chooses shepherds the lowest of the low because his kingdom is grounded in grace. And the shepherds would understand that. No one deserves to get in. No one earns their way in. It's all grace for the lowest of the low and the highest of the high. It's all gift. And the shepherds would get that. So that's the context. Now let's listen to this staggering good news. Verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Have you heard anything as staggering as that? Pretty sure you haven't. What's amazing is that this proclamation, I'm told, can now be tweeted. (laughs) The proclamation of the angels to the shepherds that first Christmas requires two slides for me, but can now fit on Twitter. Hashtag angels to shepherds. And it's super staggering. It was staggering that first Christmas night, and it's staggering over 2,000 years later. And what I want to do is just walk through this good news, phrase by phrase, and try to show you how staggering it really is. A lone angel first appears to the shepherds, which terrifies them. And the angel says that this proclamation is such good news that when it is heard and believed and lived, it will take away all fear. 
It'll take away all fear. Fear not, the angel says. That's the first words the angels say to Mary and Zechariah and Joseph. Christmas season is the season of fear not. Because when the news of Christmas is heard and believed and lived, it takes away our fear. And why fear not? Because the angel is bringing good news. I bring you good news that's full of joy. Literally, it's I good news you. I good news you that will bring great joy for you. Now, you may know that the word for good news is not a religious word. It's a political word in the first century. In that time, this word was especially used by the emperors as official proclamations from on high, so to speak. They used this word to announce new developments within the empire. New initiatives, new policies, especially victories in war. All of those things that would impact everyday life in the empire. That was good news. Whatever the new development was had immediate implications for how people lived and worked in the empire. Now, no doubt, these shepherds would have heard Caesar's good news, his good news proclamations many times. No doubt, Caesar would have proclaimed many times that he had brought peace and justice to the empire and that he would continue to bring peace and justice to the world. But now, the angel declares, I bring you real good news that will fill you with real joy. I bring you God's good news, literally from on high from the realm which has full authority over the earth, I bring you God's official proclamation that's going to change how you live and work for all time. And the angel goes on. This good news is for all people. It's for all people. As we said earlier, although first delivered to the lowly shepherds, this proclamation is for all the people in the world then and for all the people in the world now. This staggering good news is for everyone, for Jews and Romans and Greeks and Liberians and Americans and Canadians, for all people everywhere, even the lowest of the low especially for the lowest of the low. I good news you with great joy, for unto you is born this day a baby who is a savior. A baby who is a savior. Now, once again, savior is not a religious word in that time. It's also a political word, and it's a word that's used by and about Caesar Augustus. Augustus loved this word. 
Savior. He'd love to be called Savior by the Roman citizens. He'd love to refer to himself as Savior of the world. And within this word, there was a wide range of expectations, such as peacemaker, empire builder, administer of justice, educator, wise man, reconciler, builder of great buildings, so civil engineer, <laughs> protector, fixer, even healer. Caesar loved to be known as a healer. So Augustus, though, thought of himself in all of these different ways. And the term savior captured all of it. Now imagine, you're one of these shepherds. And you've read the headlines on the internet. You've heard where, and read where Augustus repeatedly referred to himself as savior. And now you hear the angels say, the angels from on high, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. A new savior is born for you. A new savior. And he will be a true peacemaker. He would minister a new social order. He would minister new and true justice. He'll be a wise man, even wisdom himself. He'll be a true reconciler, a true protector, and a true healer. It's staggering. Here's a true savior. And the angel continues. This savior is also Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, a savior who is the Messiah. Now, with this word, the angel is connecting to the Jewish worldview. From their perspective, the Messiah was the embodiment of all, the God, all of God's promises, not only to Israel, but to the whole world. The Messiah, is the one in whom all the families of the world will be blessed. The Messiah is the one who will forgive and cleanse and renew. The Messiah is the one who will inherit a kingdom that will never end. The Messiah is the one who will bring the peace of God, a savior who is a Messiah, the Messiah. But the angel continues. He's also the Lord, the Lord, not a Lord, the Lord. We read right by that, don't we? We sing it in our carols. The angel blows the circuit breakers with this one. The Lord. Although Lord could mean simply master or head of household at that time, it meant so much more to the Romans and the Jews. In the Roman world, it was another word that Caesar loved to call himself and what he required all citizens to call him. Caesar is Lord. It meant he was the sovereign one. He was the one and only king, the one and only ruler. 
in our time, we simply don't have a word that conveys the magnitude of this word. President is not sovereign enough. Prime minister, not sovereign enough. Crown prince, not sovereign enough. Caesar is Lord. That's what every Roman citizen had to say. And yet, in the Jewish world, the, the word Lord meant so much more. So much more. This is the word used for Yahweh God in their holy scriptures. Staggering. A savior who is the Messiah, who is the Lord. This is why this baby can save us. This is why this baby can save the world. Because this baby is Yahweh God. Emmanuel, God with us. I good news you with great joy. Don't be afraid. A baby is born for you who is Savior, Messiah, and the Lord. I can imagine the shepherds looking at one another and saying, do you hear what I hear? <laughs> I mean, dude, do you hear what I'm hearing? And this will be a sign for you. You will find this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Who? Who will you find wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in an animal feeding trough? You will find the Lord. You will find Yahweh himself as a human lying in a feeding trough for animals. You will find the creator of all things lying in a feeding trough for animals. Talk about reversals. Talk about staggering. But there's more. <laughs> the angel is now joined by a sky full of angels. And this multitude culminates this staggering proclamation with the Gloria, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Yeah. Thank you, KP. <clears throat> well, as far as the eyes could see, angels covered the night sky. Job said at the creation of the world, the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. And now, with this new creation, with the creator of all things becoming creation, the multitude comes together again, singing the staggering good news. Praise and glory to God. Because the true Savior, Messiah, the Lord, has come. And he brings with him true and lasting peace. Don't be afraid. Have peace. 
peace. Of course, more than anything, Caesar Augustus was known for peace. He had brought Pax Romana to the Roman Empire. In fact, there's a great monument that was erected in Rome to honor him with this Pax Romana, which you can still see. It's still there today. It's called the Altar of Augustan Peace. The, the funny thing was, everyone knew that Pax Romana was a joke. It was a false peace. As Tacitus had said, they make a desolation and call it peace. They called it Pax Romana while their feet were squarely upon the necks of defeated nations and all the little people, like the shepherds. Pax Romana produced terror, slavery, and taxation. It was actually something to fear. But this multitude of angels sings a different kind of peace, a true and lasting peace that's for all people. Not Pax Romana, Pax Christi, the peace of Christ. Fear not, I good news you, that will bring great joy, a new Savior, Messiah, Lord has been born for you. And he will be a new world leader, forming a very different kind of government, one for all people, founded on self-sacrificial love. And with him, there will be no need to fear, because he will bring true and lasting peace. Pax Christi, the peace of Christ. It's staggering news, staggering good news. Do you see why no other proclamation you hear during this season, from Disney to Starbucks to McDonald's to any of the world leaders, will ever come close to this staggering good news from the angels on that first Christmas night? Now is the beginning of a whole new era of the human race. Now is the beginning of a whole new era of human history, whether you use CE or AD. It's the staggering good news of a new Savior, Messiah, and Lord come to bring us true and lasting peace. Joy to the world, the Lord, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. So how do the shepherds respond? Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So the shepherds go. 
and they find the baby lying in an animal feeding trough, exactly as the angel had said, and they respond by glorifying and praising God for all of it. They were filled with great joy and great gratitude. And ultimately, that's what the shepherds teach us. That when we find this Savior, Messiah, Lord, our lives will no longer be characterized by fear. They will be marked by great joy and great gratitude. Eugene shared with me last week a fun definition for joy. He said, joy is peace dancing. Joy is peace dancing. When we find this Savior, Messiah, Lord, and the Pax Christi fills our lives, we can dance with joy. You'll be glad I'm not going to dance today, just so you know. My wife will be really glad that I won't dance today. Um, But we can dance with joy. That's not to say that we will not still have hardship. After all, the shepherds went back to shepherding and being rejected by society. But when we find this baby, the bedrock of our lives will not be fear. It'll be joy and gratitude for our Savior, Messiah, and Lord. We no longer need to be afraid. And this is what Charles Schultz was trying to show us in the Charlie Brown Christmas. We still watch that, don't we? I think so. (laughs) If you know the story, Charlie Brown, with urging from Lucy, decides to direct a play as a way of pushing back against the commercialization of Christmas. And as is so often the case with Charlie, things don't go as planned. And in a moment of frustration, Charlie yells, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Linus then responds. Linus is a very bright boy, but he has a bit of a problem with with thumb sucking and carrying around his blue security blanket. Charlie and Lucy have tried repeatedly to get him to stop sucking his thumb and stop carrying his blanket. Nothing has worked. So after Charlie's question, Linus responds by saying, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. And holding his blanket, Linus walks to the center of the stage as the spotlight shines on him. And he begins reciting this story in Luke 2. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord came upon them. And as he's reciting the text, there's a moment that Charles Schultz wants us to see, a very specific detail that Schultz wants to make sure we don't miss. As Linus recites the text, he comes to this line, fear not, I bring you good news. And at that moment, Linus drops the blanket. 
he drops the blanket. It's Schultz's way of saying that when we finally realize the staggering good news of Christmas, we can drop the blanket. We don't need to be afraid anymore. Here's a new world leader that has been born for you. He's not against you. He's for you. And he is Savior, Messiah, and the Lord. And he brings with him a peace that passes all understanding. Pax Christi. And with it, we can dance with great joy and great gratitude. That is super staggering good news, isn't it? Now receive this benediction. As you go from here, do not fear. Be filled with the joy and gratitude of the shepherds and the Pax Christi that passes all understanding. And go and do the dance of joy every day of this Christmas season. Amen.